Welcome to the Rationally Motivated Behavior Therapy Podcast. In each episode, I discuss the philosophical ideas and self-help strategies of the pioneering form of cognitive behavior therapy developed by Dr. Albert Ellis. I am Dr. Walter Matwichuk, a practicing psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania, and I'm also an adjunct professor at New York University. I was formally trained by Dr. Ellis in this practical approach to problems of daily living. My goal was to introduce and educate you in the core principles of this very practical way of helping yourself. Today's podcast is on what I call unhealthy other pity. And unhealthy other pity is often experienced when we face the the very difficult scenario of having a child, a parent, or a spouse suffer. And when we find ourselves in this situation, it's not uncommon to encounter uh, the uh, feelings of depression, anxiety, guilt, and other pity. And the reason why we often um, experience these feelings is because we love our 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 loved one. And of course, they're suffering uh, either with pain or um, medical illness or emotional pain. And then we hold certain irrational attitudes towards their suffering. Rationally motivated behavior therapy can help you manage your emotional reaction to their pain and suffering so that you could then have a healthy reaction and help them in a way that enables you to um, preserve your own well-being, not overextend yourself, but at the same time, show great empathy and compassion for them. So the first thing you need to do is understand that it's essential to distinguish between a healthy reaction and an unhealthy reaction. What makes REBT unique is that we make this distinction between negative emotions that are healthy and negative emotions that are unhealthy. And what we're going to argue that pain in life is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And suffering, emotional suffering, is what I would call unhealthy negative emotions, whereas healthy pain or healthy negative feelings are things that we are, are phenomena that we cannot avoid. They're inevitable because we have certain desires and those desires aren't going to be met in certain situations. So for example, if you have a sick child, you certainly don't want your child to be ill and it's appropriate to have a negative feeling under those circumstances. If you have an elderly parent who say lost their spouse, who they've been married to for years and suddenly they appear very lonely and depressed, you as a loving um, son or daughter are going to feel an unhealthy negative emotion. That's inevitable. The question is whether you are going to feel unhealthy negative emotions. And so we're not trying to get people to think rationally and have neutral emotional reactions. What we're trying to do is actually teach them how to think in a way such that they have healthy negative emotions. And then they can decide on how best to proceed in attempting to help their loved one. Um, so let's, let's, for the purposes of these scenarios where um, an unhealth, where a relative or a loved one is suffering or in pain, um, 
these scenarios can be when you have a sick child. It can be when you have um, an adolescent who suffers a heartbreak and and is is depressed about that. You can this can be a scenario with a spouse where your spouse has been diagnosed with a medical disorder, and and your spouse is very worried about their their health. Um, you're going to have a negative emotion. The question is is what are in healthy negative emotions. And I'm going to argue feelings of concern are healthy because you love your, 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 your uh, relative and they're suffering and they're worried, they're depressed, and you don't like to see that. So you're going to be concerned that they um, are in a state that they're uncomfortable. And more importantly, you're going to be concerned about their future and their well-being. You might be sad. Sadness is an appropriate negative emotion because you're not getting what you want, um, which is for your loved one to be healthy and happy. You may very well um, sometimes um, experience what I would call uh, um, unhealthy guilt because your relative is going to ask you for help. And this happens a lot when you're the principal caretaker for um, an elderly parent. They can become very dependent upon you. And you find that you're neglecting your own life as you take care of all their requests. And when you feel the impulse to say, no, I don't want to do that, or you can do that for yourself, you may very well begin to feel guilt. And in REBT, we would argue that you could have a healthy feeling of remorse for saying um, for saying no, or you could have a healthy feeling of, of, of concern when you say no, but in, you could choose to say no so that you preserve your own well-being and then foster a certain degree of self-reliance in, in the other party. Now, other pity is when we um, see a loved one suffering and we begin to have ideas like, they shouldn't be the one who's suffering or they shouldn't suffer. And, and we then pity them. And although that might seem quite um, empathetic, the problem with it is, is that we may very well um, act in a neurotic way when, we, when we're under the influence of other pity. And it would be better, for example, to not have other pity for their for their burdens and pain and suffering, but to have a certain degree of sadness or sorrow or concern that they are um, having difficulties in life, and 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 to then use those emotions to motivate us to change what we can change to um, help them in ways that are that are sensible without making them dependent. Now, one of the things about rationally motivated behavior therapy is is that we teach people to challenge their thinking. And we use what's called the ABC model of rationally motivated behavior therapy to help the person begin to identify their irrational thinking. So A stands for adversity. And in this situation, it would be your um, knowledge that your loved one is uh, missing out on life and that they're in a state of pain, they're in a state of suffering. And that's the adversity. And we put, um, um, we give that um, in this framework, the letter A. And then we assign the letter C, which stands for consequence to our emotional and behavioral reactions to our loved one's suffering. 
And most people think A causes C, and we'll use things like, well, I'm depressed because how could I not? My spouse is depressed. Or my, I'm depressed because my child has um, suffered their first heartbreak and they're very depressed. And what we're going to try to show you is that, well, that seems to be the way your emotions work, but it's not quite accurate. That between A, adversity, and C, your feelings lie B, your basic attitudes. And these basic attitudes are very, very important in determining whether you have a healthy negative emotion like concern for your loved one or an unhealthy negative emotion for your loved one where you're depressed or anxious or even guilty or experiencing other pity. Now, what we say is that there are basically three irrational attitudes that lead to emotional disturbance. Those three are, I have to do ideally well, perfectly well, or else I'm a bad person. You have to treat me nicely and fairly or else you're a bad person. And life must be comfortable and easy and fair or else I can't bear it or it's totally bad. And so what we're going to do is say that when you're upset, you're going to want to look within yourself and see whether or not one of these three attitudes are um, taking hold of your emotions. And if you're experiencing the unhealthy feelings of depression and guilt and anxiety and, and unhealthy anger, then, sh and, uh, then it's according to REBT theory, you are under the influence of one of these rigid attitudes. And what we're going to encourage you to do is to challenge your rigid attitude and question it. Now, there are two basic, we call this disputing, and there are two basic attitudes that you can use, um, two sets of questions that you can use to challenge your irrational thinking, your self-defeating, rigid thinking. One is to examine um, the must from the standpoint of whether it's um, whether it's serving you well, whether you function well when you're under the influence of it. The second way of challenging your irrational attitudes is to see if the observe, observable data supports them. And what we're going to argue in rationally emotive behavior therapy is that when we're under the influence of rigid attitudes, we are, there is an empirical data that will support them. And so the process of disputing involves challenging these ideas and attempting to undermine them so that we can create new ideas. Now, in the, that we can function better with and have healthy negative emotions. Now, in the interest of time, I'm not going to dispute the irrational attitudes that I'm going to share with you today. I'm going to just name them and say, you could think about how these irrational, unhealthy attitudes will undermine our performance. And then you can examine um, the healthy attitude and see how they would in fact help us in our performance and in our service to our loved one. So for example, people have an attitude like, my loved one must not suffer. Now, what we're going to argue is that it's appropriate to say to yourself, look, I wish my loved one were not suffering, but sadly they are. And it's false to say that they must not be suffering. 
life involves suffering and who's to say, you know, who determines um, who suffers. So what we're going to argue in rational motor behavior therapy is that you may feel very badly that um, your child or a loved one is suffering, but it's important for you to see that it's part of the human condition and you can keep your wish that they not suffer, but it's in your best interest to give up this demand, this rigid attitude that they must not suffer and thereby come closer to what we would call unconditional life acceptance, where you accept the fact that they're suffering and you would have an appropriate sadness an appropriate anger an appropriate um, form of, of, of disappointment or, or, and, and this, these feelings that are healthy would enable you to then go about helping your loved one, but you wouldn't be bitter and have this unhealthy anger. It would be a healthy displeasure that you would have a healthy sadness that would enable you to have some degree of happiness, despite the fact that your relative was suffering. Another unhealthy um, um, attitude a person might hold is I cannot bear to see my loved one suffer. And whether it be a child, um, a spouse or an elderly parent, it's certainly tough to bear witness to their suffering, but the truth is it's not unbearable and you'll bear it better. If you acknowledge that you can bear seeing them in a state of pain or suffering. And we're going to argue in RUBT that it's better for you to take this position. It's not that you're not being compassionate. It's merely that you're saying, look, I know that I'm in a state of pain when they're suffering, but I know that the feeling I'm having to their pain is something that I can bear. And I can model this attitude for them. And they, quite frankly, may very well bear their burden better. Now, this will happen with parents, this next attitude, and it will happen even with other people as well, like your spouse. It must be me who suffers, not my loved one, not my child, not my wife, but it should be me. Well, again, we're going to say in REBT that this attitude is going to render you less functional than if you move to a position where you said, well, look, I wish it were me. I certainly would rather be the person suffering, but sadly, I don't determine who suffers and who doesn't. And therefore I had better give up this idea that they should not be suffering and it should be me. It's only going to make me possibly feel guilty. Um, if I, um, say, well, it should be me who's suffering and, 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 and that's and not them. You might feel guilty. Um, whereas if you said to yourself, look, I wish it were me, but it doesn't have to be me. The, the hand of fate has, has, has rolled the dice in such a way that it's my, my child who has this illness. And I certainly am very sad about that. I'm going to do everything I can to try to help them get healthy. But at the end of the day, I don't determine who gets sick and who suffers. These are beyond my control and I'm going to change what's within my control and accept what I can. Another attitude that a person may hold is I'm lesser of a person or a bad person if I don't do everything 
um, my parent wants me to do to keep them comfortable. And if you're the principal caretaker for a person um, like an elderly parent, they may ask you to do quite a bit, whether it be fixing their technology or running their reverence or keeping their house clean. And caretaker disturbance or distress or burnout, whatever you want to hold, um, is something that humans are going to experience at some point. And so it's very important that you do not say, I absolutely have to take care of every one of their problems and keep them perfectly comfortable or else I'm a bad person. Because with that philosophy, you're going to easily burn out. Um, you can't um, possibly keep them perfectly comfortable. You have your own responsibilities to take care of, and you're not going to be able to solve all their problems. And so we're going to argue that it would be better for you to say to yourself, I really wish that I could solve all their problems and take care of all their uh, d discomfort and pain and take it from them, but I can't. And therefore, I'm going to do what I can and then encourage them to help themselves too. So that this way um, they can have a sense of, of mastery over their own life. And we're, I'm not going to want to foster dependency on myself, especially if it's a child. I don't, because at some point I'm going to die and, it, and it's going to be better if my child can learn to be self-sufficient, even if they have a lifelong chronic medical illness. And so we want to say, I'm not a bad person for delineating what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. I'm a human and I have my own responsibilities to take care of myself. And yeah, I, I wish I had infinite amount of time, but I don't. Um, sometimes people say something like, you know, I just can't bear seeing my child um, depressed. And this will happen when you're, when, when an adolescent breaks their heart. And I think it's very important for a parent to say, look, you know, it's unfortunate that my kid's suffering and I don't want them to be depressed and I'm going to encourage them to accept whatever burden they're depressing themselves about. But for me to say, well, life is totally bad because my kid is depressed is only going to make me depressed. And so what we're going to encourage you to do in REBT is to um, help yourself by accepting that you know, people are going to have burdens, whether they're your loved ones or not. And so I'd like to conclude today by saying that REBT is a realistic philosophy. It's not a cold-hearted philosophy. And it's, it's consistent in many ways with um, philosophy, ancient philosophies like Buddhism or Stoicism. So for example, the Buddha said, life is suffering. And I truly believe that it is, to a greater or lesser extent, a very hard process. Yes, we have fun in life and we have great moments, but to a large extent, it's solving one problem after another. And what we're going to do in REBT is encourage you to adopt a flexible, non-extreme attitude towards these problems that we face. And whether they be the problems our loved ones experience or the problems we experience, we're going to argue that it's best for you to... Um, really say to things like, like this, I really wish that this burden weren't my loved ones to bear, but sadly life is full of burdens and I'm going to encourage them to carry it well. 
I'd like to mention to you that on Saturdays, I hold a free Zoom conversation hour where I take a volunteer and, and discuss one of their real problems and encourage them to use this philosophy of REBT. I help them carve out a rational philosophy and it's attended by well over 100 people. It's at 9 a.m. Eastern. You can write to me um, at my um, website, rebtdoctor.com. And um, you can go to my website, rebtdoctor.com, and look for the um, um, tab that talks about what I call the meeting of the minds, Zoom conversation hour, and you can put in your address, that your email address there, and you'll get a Zoom um, invite. Or you could also view it on Facebook. It's at 9 a.m. Eastern. And of course, people throughout Europe um, will watch this at another time, but it's live. I don't record uh, the recordings and let them linger on the internet out of privacy. We're dealing with real problems here. So I'd like to end today by thanking you for listening to this podcast. And I hope you'll join me weekly as um, for future editions where I explain some of the principles of REBT and show you how you could um, help yourself with them. I also would encourage you to attend this Zoom conversation hour on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's been um, a smashing success and I think lots of people learn by either being the volunteer or watching other watching me work with other people so that they can um, see how they too disturb themselves in a similar way to the person who's volunteering for that particular day. Okay, take care and um, I look forward to having you listen to a future podcast.